What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. She had ran upstairs in a, in a fit of rage and busted into my sister's room as I'm watching the video. And my sister's on her bed doing, I believe, her schoolwork as well. And my mom had kicked me in the stomach, like mid-run kicked me in the stomach. And me being 12 years old, I jumped up and I'm crying and I come you know, walking out into the li- living area and my dad comes upstairs asking what's going on what's going on and I told him you know she had kicked me and my sister came running out asked like in her face what what's wrong with you why would you do that and I just remember crying and and then I went into the kitchen and um she had grabbed me my, my adoptive mom grabbed me and threw me into the refrigerator. Hey everyone, the voice you just heard is that of my own. I talk a little bit about what my life is like after going into foster care. I hope that my story can be inspiring to you and can offer hope to someone going through some of the same situations I went through. Just know that no matter how hard life gets, you can always overcome your past and rise above. This is Rising Above. I'm your host, David Huss. I hope you enjoy the show. In the last episode, we kind of talked about my brother's story um, and all the abuse that he had endured and some of the abuse that, you know, the rest of us kind of endured, but mainly him and uh, what kind of led us into going into the foster care system and what his life was like after going into the foster care system. So in this episode, I want to talk about my life and what my life was like uh, in the system and ultimately what my life was like after I was adopted and as and what it's like as an adult and what led me into wanting to start this podcast so without further ado let's get started so we went into foster care and one of the first things I seen as we were walking up to the agency as we were literally going into foster care was our clothes spread all over the steps of the build of the building going up into it and the reason why they were spread everywhere was because they were in trash bags uh black big black trash bags that had cockroaches in them and so they were airing out our clothes and i just remember thinking that wow like literally our business all our business is out in the open for anybody to just see our underwear is laying right there and anybody can just see that and i just remember being embarrassed and humiliated as well as feeling a sense of loss because I knew that I wasn't going to see my mom anymore or my siblings. But as we went in, we met our new foster families and they had told us, you know, that we were going to have, in my home, we were going to have myself and my younger brother, Joey, with with me. My brother, Michael, was separated from us and uh, my sister, Tiana, was also in a place in a different home. And mainly that was because there wasn't any homes readily available to take us all. Um, I don't know why they put Joseph and I together, but they did, and it, it worked out. I'm glad, you know, it it, it kind of made me who I am today, and um, it allowed me to uh, step up and be, a, you know, a protector for him and... Uh, just made me a better person all around but my time in foster care wasn't that bad I mean my the home I was placed into was a kind of a rough home as far as what the in-home life was like from the outside it seemed like a perfectly normal good stable home but ultimately it was divided and divisive and it was full of anger and just it was a, it was a real bad home to be in but honestly and and honestly the 
I hate to say this, but the, my foster parents shouldn't have been foster parents at all. They were not fit. Um, but with that being said, is you know that I was later adopted by them, and now I have a a good relationship with my my adopted dad. But uh, anyways, um, being in foster care was was difficult because I just remember ha- like having to go to school and tell like telling people because people ask like, hey, did you just move here? Like, yeah, and then you know obviously you know as you talk to them they kind of learn that you're you're a foster kid and that's kind of looked 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 down upon it seemed like in those days um because then they kind of like tell you like hey what is why are you a foster kid or um did your did your mom not care care about you did your family not care about you why why are you in foster care and it was just such a again a humiliating thing to have to talk about and i never liked talking about it so i never really did talk about it too much unless somebody asked but um as time went on you know we got to see our family or you know my mom and my siblings we would go to visits every monday for an hour and um obviously going to visits was never enough um being being separated from your family like that is not an hour a week is not not enough ever and so i just remember after every visit just feeling a sense of loss like and and i felt sad because i never got to you know tell my brother this or tell my sister this or tell my mom that like oh i forgot because i was too worried about this and just everything was so overwhelming um but like i said my time in foster care wasn't terrible but it also wasn't great um and it ended up becoming an abusive home but it wasn't too abusive until after i was adopted and that's actually the reason why i'm starting this podcast because um well one of the reasons why i'm starting this podcast because I believe that the system is completely jacked up. And I also think that uh, when, a fo- when the foster agency and social, service, service, social services know about issues within the foster home or the, or the licensed foster home, I should say, um, they won't do anything about it because they're afraid of losing a home that they can place children in because not too many people want to take on that task and so when they find out about something they're not too quick to want to remove children from the home and investigate the situation and if anybody disagrees with me who you know works in the system I would love I would love to invite them on to my podcast and talk to me um, because I would love to be proved wrong but from my experience, that's what it seems like. And so anyways, um, as time goes on in foster care, you know, my, my adopted mom, I have to kind of give her some credit. She, she diligently made sure that I was doing my homework and I was kind of catching up where I should be in school. I was I was way behind in math and reading because my my biological mom never really cared if I went to school. So oftentimes when we lived in Florida, I would I would miss school all the time just because I didn't want to go and uh, you know play say I'm sick or uh, whatever and I didn't have to go. But um, obviously you know I realized that that just hurt me and it never was beneficial. So I was behind in math and reading, and so she made sure that I was doing flashcards every night, and she made sure that I was reading to her every night, and she wasn't the nicest person about it at all, but, you know, I, I have to give it to her. She she made sure that I I did it and that I got caught back up, and eventually I did. I ended up getting caught up with my peers. Um, so I do have to give that to her. So as time goes on, um, I'm adopted. When I, w- I believe I was 12 when I was adopted and 
the one of the I just remember one of the reasons why I wanted to be adopted was because she had told me um, if we don't adopt you then you're going to go up for adoption publicly and you don't know where you're going to go but you and your brother Joey could be separated and I knew like I had said before that I had to be his protector and that I had to be with him so I had I pleaded with her to to adopt me and that I wanted her to adopt me and, and so she had talked to my dad and at first he wasn't too keen on the idea because he he knew what the home was like and he knew that it was no place for for us and he wanted better for us but because I had pleaded with him he he kind of kind of gave in and they chose to adopt my brother and I so as time goes on um honestly it wasn't that that much longer after I was adopted that things in the home kind of went sideways real quick she had pulled me out of school and started homeschooling which she was totally not qualified for but she did and I just I at that point I believe I was in sixth grade and I one of the well let me lay it out a little bit so when I was in sixth grade it was it was hard it's hard to be taught from a parent especially a parent who isn't good at communicating and a parent who has never isn't qualified really to be teaching anybody um so i just remember there would be times where she would i'd be doing you know math and i wouldn't understand a problem a certain way the way you know i wouldn't understand how you're supposed to do it and she would try to explain it to me and i still wasn't getting it and she would just start yelling and screaming at me because i wasn't understanding thinking i'm not understanding on purpose i'm playing dumb or whatever um, so eventually it just kind of led into me just sitting in my room all day, literally all day from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, sitting in my room, just attempting to do school. And I got so behind because of that. And eventually I decided just to give up because it wasn't, it wasn't benefiting me to even try to do school because anytime I tried, I was called you know dumb or I was was told I wasn't trying or whatever it was it just was it was a difficult very difficult time and it's a very difficult thing to learn from a parent who isn't qualified so uh, anyways we I was homeschooled and my adopted brother uh, and I were always real close and so he kind of became a protector for me because during this time my adopted mom kind of put a target over my head and just for some reason would always take her anger and lash out at me um, over er anything and everything and I would, oh, I would always be punished for for anything like if I was if I were to put dishes in the wrong in the wrong spot, she would ask me why I did that, and she'd be like, "Well, I told you where they they're supposed to go." And me being a kid, I'd just be like, "Oh, I I don't know. I don't know why I put that there." And, and she'd be like, "Stop giving me an attitude." <laughs> All the time, I was told that I was given an attitude when really I, I wasn't. Um, but and it eventually, you know, just kind of led into me always being grounded, but. Um, so again, my brother, my brother was always kind of there for me to, you know, protect me in those times a little bit. And then my sister as well, my sister, Melinda, she, she was always there until she went off to college. And then that was kind of her escape from, from everything, which I, you know, don't blame her whatsoever. But, uh, but one specific incident that I kind of want to talk about, because this is, this is what defines my opinion of the foster care system and this is ultimately the reason why I started the podcast and so when I was homeschooled I was in sixth grade my I was in my sister's room doing homework I was watching my video my home homeschool video and doing my homework and 
my mom and my dad had gotten into an argument and it was probably over me because it was the arguments were always about me and or something that I had done and my dad would always try to you know speak up and protect me a little bit well she had ran upstairs in a in a fit of rage and busted into my sister's room as I'm watching the video and my sister's on her bed doing I believe her schoolwork as well and my mom had kicked me in the stomach like mid-run kicked me in the stomach and me being 12 years old I jumped up and I'm crying and I come you know walking out into the living area and my dad comes upstairs asking what's going on what's going on and I told him you know she had kicked me and my sister came running out, asked like in her face, "What what's wrong with you? Why would you do that?" And I just remember crying, and and then I went into the kitchen, and um, she had grabbed me, my my adoptive mom grabbed me and threw me into the refrigerator because I don't know why. And then she. <laughs> she came out and back into the living room and there was a like a card table with a puzzle on it that she had been working on and she just flipped that and puzzle pieces had gone everywhere and it it led my dad into having to lay on top of her pin her to the ground lay on top of her and call the police and i just remember when he called the police um the dispatchers asking her does anybody have weapons any of any of these things and uh, I just remember my my adopted dad yelling at them no no nobody has anything just get get the police here and he hung up and then next thing you know like, like 10 police cars pull up in front of I don't think it was 10 but a lot of police ended up showing at our house showing up at our house and um, it was kind of comical because when the police had got there, obviously they're arresting her because she was abusive um, to me, to a child, to a minor. And when they were putting her in handcuffs, they had said to her, uh, you know, you need, ma'am, you need to put your hands behind your back so we can handcuff you. And she, she was like, oh, I don't need to be handcuffed. I'll go willingly. And I just... I just remember laughing at that. I always thought that was funny. Um, but, you know, that's something that I had always kind of done is find a little humor in uh, situations and learn how to laugh at things. Because if I didn't, then I don't know where I'd be today. Um, so I kind of kind of became a fan of comedy at a very young age because of that. But anyways, so that, that kind of set the tone for me because... Um, at that time, uh, she, you know, she got out of jail after, you know, abusing me, and um, because we were involved in church and everything, and she was uh, a Sunday school teacher, she was no longer allowed to be a Sunday school teacher with kids because she, you know, obviously was abusive to kids. So rightfully, they they told her she couldn't do it anymore, and. So she went through the whole probation thing and anger management and all that, all that fun jazz, and they wiped her record clean. Well, as time goes on, the thing, things in the house just continue to get worse and worse and worse. Um, abuse was becoming a normal thing in our house. And um, <clears throat> like there was a time where she, I believe I was like 15 years old, and she tried just ripping me out of the shower um, because she didn't want me to be in the shower at that point in time and so she came in and told me to get out and I had soap all over my body so I was like I'm, I'm not getting out I'm rinsing off and she told me she's like get out of the shower now I was like no I'm not getting out and so she sh shut the light off on me and so I continued showering and she wasn't happy about that so uh, she came in and threw open the curtain and tried pulling me out but then, just then, my brother came up, and my brother William came up and uh, just yanked her out of the bathroom, picked her up, and carried her out. And he had just had surgery. Uh, I'm not going to say on what, but he had just had surgery, and he had to do that. 
and so then they kind of got into it and she went into her room and uh he was staying in there with her because he wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to come back out and harm me so um so as he's staying in there arguing with her she told him you better get out or i'm going to start stripping and william's like okay i don't care he's like but you're not going to go back out there because you're not going to hurt david and so she started stripping and so then i went downstairs i got changed and she came down and she's she's yelling at me and she picks up um a, a vacuum and it's a heavy steel kirby vacuum and she was going to hit my brother with it and so he ended up kicking it like away from her as he just had again surgery and it's just that those kind of things had always happened in our house and it was always during a time where like like my dad wasn't home or you know or some of the stuff would even happen when my brother wasn't home because she knew that these people would try to stick up for me and um and then of course when my dad did get home she would manipulate the situation and say i'm i'm you know i she would say something that I did and make it seem worse than what it was. And then obviously I'd be in trouble for it. But, um, so like I said, our, my life was kind of always something of that sort. So when I became 16 years old, things kind of got bad again. Uh, I mean, things kind of like, got easier for a little while and then things got bad again it was always like that up and down up and down up and down there was a time where i was literally grounded for almost a whole year because every time i would say something to her like again i said earlier um like if i put a dish in the wrong spot and she asked me i'd i'd be like i don't know i don't know why i did that that'd be considered talking back or whatever everything was always talking back or um i have an attitude or whatever and then that would always end up I would always end up getting punished for that. And so I would always end up having to have a week of grounding tacked onto my, my endless weeks of grounding, which at some point I stopped caring because I figured I'm always going to be grounded. Um, but when I was like 16, I remember my, my brother, he had a girlfriend over at the house and around this time I kind of another thing that I would always get punished with was chores and I think I had something had happened with a chore I didn't do quite right and my mom was yelling at me about it and I ended up um I might have cocked a little bit of an attitude at this point but she got so angry with me and, and it's dead winter it's like February um she made me go stand out in the cold because she didn't want me to be in the house around her. Uh, oh, and that was right after she spit in my face. <laughs> and I know that was because I was cocky because she didn't like my response to something. I honestly don't remember what I said. I wish I could because it was more than likely funny. Um, but after I had said whatever I said, she spit in my face and then she made me go stand out in the cold. And so I remember standing out in the cold as my brother um, came out and was like wondering what was going on I told him and he stood out in the cold with me and I didn't have a jacket or shoes or anything on but um again this stuff is just normal stuff that took place in our house um, frequently um and I I don't even know how to like talk about any of this because it's I there's just so much to talk about and I could be here literally all night just talking about different stories that happened and I don't want to do that that's not that's not the whole idea of this podcast the whole idea of this podcast is to kind of get get why I'm doing this out there and so hopefully people can kind of understand where I came from and can understand my reasoning behind why I'm doing this podcast so um, so as time goes on, I'm 17 years old. I, my brother went off to college. Um, so 
one of my protectors is now gone and things actually kind of became good in the home uh, for a short time I I don't know why but things were really good and then I met this girl at school and her and I kind of you know became friends and obviously wanted to become more I wanted to start dating her so I started bringing her to church um so that my family would like her and that you know hopefully they would approve of me dating her because um, that was something that wasn't allowed is we weren't allowed to date while we were in high school even though my brother was allowed to date which didn't make any sense um, I wasn't allowed to date so they didn't so I started bringing her to church and needless to say they didn't like her um, she wasn't I don't know why she wasn't I don't know if she rubbed him the wrong way or whatever it was but they didn't approve and um, it eventually led them and led my parents into telling the church that I wasn't um, allowed to or that the, it led them into telling them that I was having premarital sex with her and the church ended up kicking me out of uh, the church orchestra and um, the Wednesday night program that they had for children I wasn't allowed to volunteer to help these children and I just remember at that time that was one of the things keeping me in church I enjoyed doing those things I enjoyed being in the church orchestra because it one allowed me to get out of the house for a period of time to go to to go to practice and then it gave me something um, to do. It was playing trumpet was my was one of my hobbies, and it was you know it was taken away from me. So I at that point I decided that I'm not going to go to church anymore. Why go to church when I can't do anything that I want to do? And it seemed really hypocritical to me that um, I was kicked out for having premarital sex that nobody could even prove, and which I wasn't and but yet she could she could become a Sunday school teacher after she had been accused of being a child abuser and yeah it was it was wiped away from her record but I don't the church still knew about it and they still allowed her to become a Sunday school teacher and I I just found that super hypocritical so I couldn't I couldn't go to church anymore and I just stopped so, and it, and it honestly just kind of pushed me towards wanting to be with my girlfriend more. Um, so I stopped going to church and I made sure that every Sunday before we went to church, I would just wake up and I would leave the house before, um, before anybody was really up, up and ready because I didn't want to be forced to go to church. I would either just go to work, which I worked at McDonald's at the time. Um, and I would just sit there and do my homework or I would or I would be scheduled to work or I'd, sometimes I would just go to my girlfriend's house um, or I would, uh, I don't know, I'd just go hang out with somebody because I I didn't want to be there. And eventually it kind of led me into being kicked out of the house uh, till 11 o'clock every night. And uh, mind you, I was in foster care, or not foster care, I was, I'm sorry guys, my thoughts are kind of everywhere right now. Um, mind you I was still in high school and I was being I was being locked out of my house every single night till 11 o'clock at night um, because that's when my dad would get home from work and she wouldn't she wouldn't want me in the house with her because she didn't want to have to deal with me in my attitude and mind you there wouldn't be an attitude if she would just leave me alone because she would purposely seek out things and you know to nitpick at me about just just in hopes that I would give her an attitude and at that time I got sick of everything and I I did develop quite a you know snarky cocky attitude and it's part of my personality now I mean I'm just a I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a cocky person in general. I'm not, not, not in a, like a stuck up kind of way or anything, but 
you know, I like to just make fun of stupid things all the time. And to me, um, things that had ha- that had happened in the home, I, I thought was stupid at the time. So I would make fun of those things all the time. But anyways, um, so it led in, led me into being locked out every single night and, uh, eventually led me into not being able to do my laundry at the house. I couldn't shower at the house. I couldn't eat at the house and I couldn't use the computer for my schoolwork anymore. And so essentially I just could sleep there every single night. That was it. And I had to go to find some, find somewhere else to do my laundry, had to find somewhere else to use a computer to do my schoolwork. I uh, had to find somewhere else to eat and oftentimes I would just go to my girlfriend's house for most of these things because she was right up the street so again all they were doing was pushing me away into her um, and I just remember like one thing um, my my girlfriend's dad had got me a laptop um, from his work that they they were selling a bunch of these old laptops that he had you know he had bought one and he kind of you know fixed it up and everything and he, he sold it to me and um i brought that home because i wanted to be able to do my schoolwork, and they tried taking it from me they didn't want me to have it and so they were literally trying to make life as impossible for me as they could and i just remember going to mcdonald's one night um and it was quite late it was like around probably eight or nine at night and I'm sitting in their lobby and I didn't, I wasn't even scheduled to work, but I would just go there to hang out because I knew that that was a safe place for me. And I knew that I could just sit there and do my homework without, without anybody caring. So I, I brought my laptop with me and I'm doing my homework and my manager came out and asked me what was going on. Why am I, why am I there? It's late. Shouldn't be here. And I, I explained to her, you know, what was going on at home and, she was like oh wow I can't believe that and from that point on um whenever I was work or whenever she was working she would you know give me free food to help me out because she she couldn't stand my my adopted mom um but uh so yeah then that kind of this went on for a little while and I started developing bald spots in the back of my head, uh, like the size of, like the size of a quarter. I had about three of them and I found out that that was from stress. I didn't, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I went to the doctor and the doctor had told me that it was alopecia and it was from stress and my hair was probably not going to grow back. And imagine being a high schooler being told that, that your hair is not going to grow back. It was the most embarrassing thing. Um, and I just, I don't know. It was just, again, there's so many different things I can talk about at that time, but some of the most important is that, you know, I, my, a lot of people helped me during this time. A lot of people seen what was going on. A lot of people reported what was going on. And I even reported what was going on to social services. And a lot of people I know have reported the things that was going on in the home to social services. And not one thing was done. They came out, I think, once to investigate. But other than that, they just called and said, hey, we're coming out. We're going to um, we're going to ask you some questions because we got a, uh, a call about this. And then they would plan a time to come out. And so that allowed them to get all their affairs and stories straight before they came out. And that's one thing I find completely wrong with the system. But, um, and, and that was one thing I had, I told them when I called to report, I remember leaving high school and I would call and report every single day for a period of time. It was like two weeks. I would call every single day. And I would try talking to somebody. I even went to the police department at one point to make a statement. And that nothing came of that. And so I, I remember calling one time and I had told them about what had happened uh, with my adopted mom going to jail for abusing me. And this is what happened. And this is this has changed my opinion 
on the foster system since. I called and reported that she had been to jail for abusing me. And <clears throat> they called and they're like, they called her and they were like, hey, we're going to come out and we got some allegations and we want to investigate. We want to ask you some questions. And so when they came out to investigate it, they asked her point blank, hey, have you been to jail? And she, she replied, how did you know about that? And they had said that it had been reported. And so they didn't even know. And this was years later. That this was probably five, six years later. They didn't, they didn't know that she had went to jail. Um, and so she told them she went to jail, and they asked her why, and she told them. And they, all they said was, okay, well, don't let it happen again. Otherwise, you're going to lose your license. And she said, okay. And then that was it. That was the end of that. And I just remember after that thinking, wow, this is the system that's supposed to protect us. And this is the, this is the system that also took us from the same kind of situation that, that I'm in now. They took me out of that kind of situation just to put me in a different situation that was almost just as bad, or if not worse. And, and that's kind of, again, one reason why I wanted to start this podcast. To I want to be a, an advocate for, for people in the system um, and for people who are like me. But, you know, and, and along with that, I want to be able to tell my story to help other people. So, anyways, I, uh, I remember one Sunday morning, again, I would wake up and leave every mo- every Sunday morning to avoid going to church and I left the house to and this might actually might have been a Saturday morning but I left the house to do my laundry at another friend's house and so I would pack my backpack and I just left early in the morning to go to her house to do laundry and I came back probably mid-morning like around 11 maybe noon and I just remember walking up close to our house and my dad was outside washing his truck and he had a white a white truck and somebody had spray painted all, all along the side of the truck and to this day I don't know who did it but I know it wasn't me and I just remember he came up to me and got in my face and was very angry and was like you piece of shit you you spray painted my truck and I'm, I, I didn't even know what his truck said I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we just started going, you know, arguing back and forth. And finally I got up close to the truck and it, somebody had spray painted along the side, village idiot. And that made things way worse for me. I don't know who did that. But um, as I'm walking up in, into the house, my mom came running outside and yelling at me as well. And she was like, I called the police because you're, you're, you vandalized it and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember being scared because I knew I didn't do it, but I knew that I was in a position where I'm going to be in legal trouble from what somebody else has done. And so I was scared. I grabbed, I grabbed clothes and I packed, a, I packed, more, or packed more clothes and I packed some of the things I needed for school and I just left. And as I'm walking up the street, I just remember passing two or three cop cars come into the house and I went to my girlfriend's house and um, just hung out there for a while and I didn't come home for a couple of days because of that and I I knew that if I did I would probably they'd probably call the cops and I'd probably be sitting in jail but then when I went to school the school police officer had pulled me out of class and wanted to uh, uh, do a polygraph on me to see if I was lying about it and uh never ended up having to do that though but um i don't think it was considered vandalism because they were able to wash the paint off it was just washable spray paint but um anyways so this again this this went on for a while where i was constantly locked out wasn't allowed to be in my house to do things that you know i would normally be able to do and i just remember um one night I'm at my girlfriend's house and my buddy Chad, my buddy Chad called me. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to name drop there, but I think, I don't think he will care. Shout out to my buddy Chad. He's, he saved my life. 
um, and he he's been a big part of my life. Um, he he called me while I was at my girlfriend's house and was like, "Hey, David, what are you up to?" And I'm just like, "Oh, you know, I'm just chilling at my girlfriend's house." And um, I explained to him the situation. He asked me what was going on. I kind of told him, you know, I wasn't allowed to go home till eleven o'clock and. He's like, oh, man, that's bullshit. He's, you shouldn't have to deal with that. And he's like, you should come live with me. And I'm like, I kind of laughed about him. Like, yeah, okay. And he was like, no, I'm serious. He's like, let me let me talk to my, my mom, and uh, I'll give you a call back. And he called me back, and sure thing, he was like, hey, he's like, my, my, parent, my mom said you can move in with us, and we'll make sure you get to school, and we'll make sure you, you know, have everything you need. He's like, you don't need to be under that kind of stress. And... So he came and picked me up right then and there and took me down to my house and I went in. I, my dad was home at that point and I went downstairs to my room, grabbed all the essential things I needed. I grabbed all my clothes, my school books, um, just everything that would fit in one or two clothes baskets. And then I just left and I went upstairs and... Um, my dad was like, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. And he's, I'm moving out. And he's like, well, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And I just left. <clears throat> and uh, I just rem- remember that night, it, you would think leaving, like the feeling of leaving, like, oh, I'm, I'm done with that would be suffice. But it wasn't. I was, I was upset. I was sad. I, I was hurt because I didn't know what again what my life was going to consist of. I knew that I'm on my own at this point, and even though I had the help of my buddy, I knew that the goals that I had in life would be really hard to reach without the help of your parents. And but I knew that I, that's a decision I would have to make because uh, it wasn't a healthy lifestyle. I wasn't I wasn't healthy at all. Um, Again, I had bald spots in the back of my head from being so stressed out. So I moved in with my buddy Chad, and and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Within like two months, my hair started growing back. Um, I no longer had that kind of stress in my life, and it was com- life was completely stress-free. And of course, I you know went off the rails a little bit. I uh, started hanging around some of the, some people I probably shouldn't have hung around with. I started smoking pot and drinking and I mean, not excessively, but it was, you know, socially I would do it with my, my friends. And eventually I kind of got caught up in that a little bit, but then I realized real quick that, you know, this isn't what I want for my life. I want better. So I, I just stopped hanging around those people and I stopped smoking weed and I stopped drinking um, ex- like the way, I, you know, how I was, how I was before. And, um, and I constantly just try to make my life better in any case, any way I could. And wh- whether that was getting a better job or, you know, always trying to get a get a different job that you know paid a little bit more or whatever it was I was always trying to better my life and um and then eventually I ended up getting a job at GM in 2013 and that job that job really changed my life it put me on in a trajectory of just I would be able to achieve anything I wanted to do financially and any goals I had, I was able to accomplish. Um, and it wasn't, this is also kind of hard to talk about. I was with a girl, the girl, my previous girlfriend that I had talked about, the one that, um, the one that kind of caused my life to unravel a lot. Um, she, her and I had kind of been on and off a lot after I had moved out and, uh, she eventually started, started dating another person. Um, and 
but like while she was dating him or on and off her and I would you know get back together and whatnot and she ended up becoming pregnant and this was the year I hired in at GM she had the kid in, in January of the year I hired in and I just remember asking her if I thought or if she thought the baby you know was mine and she had told me no and I you know honestly I think she was probably just scared that because she was in, you know in a relationship with this other guy that you know she would lose him or something I don't I don't honestly know but I just remember I asked her and she said no and then I I didn't try anymore I didn't I didn't try to pursue to know for sure and as time went on um, I met somebody at work we started dating and I remember and she later became my wife but I remember asking her you know hey do you think this kid looks like me and she's like oh kind of and <laughs> and uh, um, I, I, I on and off I would text my ex and ask her you know hey are you sure he's not mine and she would say oh I don't know he's not or sometimes she would say yeah he is and then I would try to pursue like okay well if you think that then let's do a DNA test and then that would scare her off and we, we wouldn't end up doing it well finally one day um, a couple of years ago about I think two years ago uh, her mom got a hold of me and was like hey you know we really think he's yours we've always thought he was yours um, if you get a DNA test I will run it on him and uh, you know I'll give it back to you and you can send in the results so I remember it was on Valentine's Day my wife and I we took the DNA test over to her and she we sat in the vehicle while she she came out, grabbed you know the the test, and we took it or she took it in and swabbed him and brought it back and we left. Never met him or anything. And uh, I got the results back and it was ninety nine point nine 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 percent that he was mine. And at that point, I was like, okay, we need to hire a lawyer. So we hired a lawyer. And we went to court to try to get some sort of, you know, parental rights or just because if he was mine, I want to be able to be a part of his life, especially because I have two other kids that, you know, are missing out on his life as well. And so we went to court and ultimately the judge ruled um, that it was past the statute of limitations to try to find out um if he was my kid, you know, and that it wasn't in his better interest to try to remove the parental rights of the father who had been there from the, the beginning. And that, I just remember the way I felt then is how I felt about my dad, is how I felt that I was failing. And I felt that I I felt that my dad failed me and I felt that he didn't he wasn't I felt that he was never there because he never cared and and I I didn't want him to feel that way and if he ever finds out that you know I'm his father I hope he hope he knows that I did care and that I did try um but that ultimately led me into wanting to find my dad, find out who my dad was. And I forgot to mention, I, uh, like two, two, three years before that had found, found my, my biological mom and her and I kind of developed a relationship. So that led me into wanting to find my dad too. And so I told my wife that I wanted to get a 23andMe kit so that I could try to pinpoint some of my relatives and hopefully someone that were on my dad's side. And so I got a 23andMe, and uh, sure enough, within a couple months, I, some relatives had popped up, and they were uh, second cousins on my dad's side. 
and I was like, oh, wow. So I messaged my cousin, and I'm like, hey, um, hey, cousin. <laughs> and she replied, she's like, hey. And I explained to her who I was looking for and why I was on there and why I'm looking for them and my situation a little bit about me being adopted. And she was like, oh, and I told her, you know, what I thought my dad's name was. And she was like, okay, well, I have some family members with that last name. Let me talk to my mom because she keeps in close contact with that side of the family. And within like a day or two, she messaged me back and was like, hey, I have good news. I, I found I found your dad or I, we know who your dad is. Um, and she gave me her number and she called me. And I just remember being at work on second shift. And I hated second shift. It was like I was so depressed on that shift and even though all my friends were on that shift, I hated going to work every night. But I just remember being at work and being so excited and all my coworkers were right there and they were all so excited for me as well. And they just couldn't believe, they couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe it because I, I thought I would never ever know who my dad was. And so uh, eventually him and I became reunited uh, and we Michael and I went down to see him and visit him and meet him and we also met on the way we stopped in uh, South Carolina met uh, my cousins who I had found on 23andMe as well and uh, they're just all amazing people and I have nothing good nothing but good to say about them and uh, I love them very much but so this is kind of why I wanted to do the podcast I, I just I know this episode isn't really professional it's not it's not really put together too well um, and I just kind of wanted to get my story out a little bit and explain why I wanted to do this podcast and I hope that um, maybe you know somebody will see this and want to reach out to me and um, I hope that my story can, you know, help somebody and and hopefully it makes a difference. So I just want to thank thank everybody for listening. Um this wasn't easy for me to talk about at all and there's so much more that I haven't shared about my life, but you know, hopefully through the podcast, you know, I'll I'll be able to share more and more <clears throat> and I look forward to doing more with with you guys. Thank you.